3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki, see you later. The Nets have won it. Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts in Los Angeles. The kick in, here it comes. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! And a World Series Game 7 winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on. The Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals podcast. Your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion, Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Hello, everybody. Today is April 16th, 2020. It is a Thursday. My name is Josh Neighbors, and this is the Locked On Nationals podcast. Joining me today, it is Matt McFarland of KCOU Sports. What else you got going on, Matt? Just KCOU Sports? Anything else tell the folks about? Uh, we, well, I have a little, um, startup podcasting network that I call over the top productions with me and a couple other guys from KCOU. Uh, we have about three podcasts on there. So I do KCOU and that, uh, alternately, alternatively. Where can the folks find you on social media? Uh, Twitter, McFarland, Matt zero on Instagram is, uh, Matthew E. McFarland. And then if you want to follow my startup production company on Twitter, that's over the top MO. Love it. Um, all right, so we're going to get to some news. Obviously, um, things Washington Nationals are pretty slow. Uh, if you like us, you've been watching the <laughs> watching a lot of the Nats classics. Uh, they've been on TV. Really cool. The Nationals did a Zoom uh, a couple nights ago when they were rewatching the Game Seven of the last year last year's World Series. It was hilarious. It was funny. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. Check that out on Facebook. Y'all haven't even seen that yet. Um, but we're going to talk about some league news and. The biggest news uh, I believe coming out for all professional sports is that a bunch of the commissioners, Rob Manfred is included in this, uh, along with Vince McMahon, Dana White, um, Adam Silver, Roger Goodell, uh, Gary Bettman, are going to be on President Trump's committee to reopen the country. Mm -hmm. And um, I want to get your thoughts on this, but I I just want to first get this out um, from my perspective. And this is how I feel about it. There's a couple of things, and there's positives, there's negatives, obviously. But when you get a group of individuals like this together, these are all businessmen. These guys keep their jobs, with the exception of McMahon and Dana White. Um, the commissioners keep their jobs based off their performance in the eyes of the ownership, not of the public. And so their number one interest is getting back to sports, which, in my opinion, there's two ways to look at it. One, it's positive because these guys have incentives to get the you know to get things back rolling, get the economy back rolling, get their sports back rolling, and so they're going to be innovative and creative and find as many ways as possible to do it. On the flip side of that, because they have a desire to get things going again, they might not take the full safety precautions or the full precautions necessary to ensure that the safety of the players is held up and the health of the sport is held up. To give you an example, Vince McMahon this past week, they've been rolling on with WWE, 
And meanwhile, they just cut a bunch of their talent yesterday, a massive cut. They had people who were on TV on Monday night cut yesterday afternoon. And, um, you know, one night deemed essential, the next couple days, you know, not. It's, it's a difficult way to look at it. And while it's important to have these groups of people getting together to find ways to get things like sports back in our life, because I do believe sports are important to our social fabric, to our country, to our psyche, um, it's, you have to balance the health of the players. And we're even hearing Mike Trout saying, you know, he was a bit dubious of the process of getting back to playing baseball. So, you know, Matt, I want to kind of just go with the conversation here. Your thoughts on the commissioners being on Donald Trump's committee to reopen the country and what kind of challenges are facing them and what kind of challenges it, they, you know, they have because it's a bunch of commissioners on this on this committee. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, everyone wants to get back to sports, get back to normal. Uh, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, resistance and pushback trying to get the country back opened. And you're right, there's two ways to look at this. Uh, obviously, the positive being maybe we'll get sports back faster because these guys are businessmen. And even if they just play with, you know, closed doors, no fans, or in the um, context of the MLB, right, uh, they play the the Grapefruit and the Cactus League, Florida, Arizona Leagues. Um that's all well and good. I think that this committee is interesting, though, because you have a lot of people who have been very close with the president and uh, a lot of people who haven't been. For example, Vince McMahon uh, and then the Kraft and Jerry Jones have all been very close with Donald Trump uh, in their past. And Cuban, just a week ago, was criticizing him. Um, and I think this provides an interesting context to it. And I think that this committee has been pretty well put together. Obviously, you need the commissioner's. Uh, the three owners is very interesting to me. Obviously, I think three of the most influential and important owners in sports in general. Uh, but I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think, for example, Mark Cuban uh, has been very, very pro shutdown, whereas Vince McMahon has been very, very pro opening up. I think that'll be interesting to see how those heads collide and what comes out of this. You are right, though, with all the businessmen in the room, uh, Donald Trump included, obviously a businessman in his own right. Um, it'll be interesting to see what type of dynamic and interesting approach they take to this, whether they go more with an economic factor, whether they go more with a player safety, you know, a health safety factor. It'll be interesting to see what comes out of this uh, conference. Right. And I mean, obviously, there's more than just the commissioners involved in this conversation with President mm -hmm. Trump. But you know, President Trump has been very vocal about wanting to get the country going. And he even said yesterday, within the next month, he said there's some states ready to go. Um, but I was talking with Connor Jones, you know, a good friend of mine, and somebody who said, look, you know, we, we think the projections say the peak in Arizona is going to hit in May. And are you really trying to get things going for baseball in May? And what I think we have to understand is all of these sports are going to be coming from different places. The issue for baseball is that they're coming from a place of desperation because each day that passes is one less day that baseball is on television. The fact that it's being played and you know stats are being accumulated and whatever is not the is not the big point, sticking point here. It's the money being generated. It's the right fee, rights fee. You know this thing does not work if the rights fees aren't paid by the TV stations to those teams oh. to broadcast, and then in turn they have money to you know pay the players, pay their staff. This machine needs to get going. So each one of these sports is coming from a different angle. And um, I'm interested to see where it goes from that. But baseball, you know, I would say out of all the sports coming to the table, Matt, they are one of the more desperate ones because they each day 
eats away a chance to make money. Mm-hmm. That's that's the interesting thing for them is that for say the NHL, the NBA, which I don't know if we'll see those sports again, or even the Premier League across the pond, you can go into your you know your big tournaments if you're the Premier League or your playoffs right now because you've played a, a big chunk of the season. Whereas the MLB needs to open up. Uh, I think that's a really interesting dynamic. Obviously, the MLB has the longest season in sports, 162 games. They'll probably have to cut down on that. But I think it will be interesting with all the the business that they need to generate and maybe the TV stations, for example, like UFC, ESPN pulled out of broadcasting it because they didn't like the the PR look, right? I think that'll be interesting to see what TV stations are willing to take up these broadcast spots, right? What TV stations want to or are willing to roll the dice on how this looks in a PR stint to make more money. Uh, obviously, we, we saw a shutdown unprecedented uh, just a couple, maybe two months ago, um, less than two months ago, actually. Uh, uh, so it'll be interesting to see what TV stations want to take what, uh, if any want to take any at all, because it could be like a huge PR meltdown. And obviously, if you're a broadcasting network, that's your number one focus is how you look to the public because that's how many people are going to watch you uh but i do think it'll be interesting to see you know what the avenue is that they're going to try to get baseball back specifically but all the sports back yeah it's going to be interesting right and we now thinking about what states could it be back in because obviously the ufc tried to go to california and uh governor gavin newsom and uh, Congresswoman Diane Feinstein were pretty vocal about their displeasure for them trying to go ahead with the event. They call Bob Iger of Disney. They put the kibosh on it. Florida, on the other hand, Ron President or excuse me, Governor Ron DeSantis uh, gave a seal of approval for WWE to be labeled as an essential service, which opens up. And then obviously it was a I mean, great a uh, example of political corruption because uh, Vince McMahon's wife. Uh, has a super PAC in Florida that is very committed. Now, there was $13 million, I believe it was, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the tens of millions of dollars range that is uh, committed to reelecting Donald Trump and also reelecting Ron DeSantis because he is, you know, a big Trump fan. So um, the door was open through that avenue. And uh, we, we're starting to see the wheels are turning, but the question everybody's asking is, should they be? And... Um, you know, I look like nobody wants. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep repeating this. Nobody wants this stuff back more than you know us, you guys, the fan who are listening, us as people who are fans and we cover it. The players, you know, I just had my good friend uh, Ben Greer on here, who's a Division Three baseball player, had his season cut short. We'd all like to see it back, but you know, we stopped this stuff for a reason. And I'm gonna keep saying it. The the NCAA tournament did not happen this year for the first time since 1930, uh, the late 1930s. You know, since World War II. That is significant because it shows you how serious we are all taking this. And I think the one problem that I'm feeling this, and look, I'm, you know, as somebody who has a short attention span, somebody who's, you know, will openly admit it, um, it is difficult to keep waiting and keep waiting and we get frustrated. And I think it's why you're seeing there's so much intensity behind the arguments around coronavirus. I think it's not just because it's a big issue, but I think because people are stuck up, they're, you know, they're, they're cooped up, they're tired, they're getting a bit antsy. And um, I think that's a risk because when we get you know, tired and antsy and grumpy uh, and impatient, we could make the wrong decision here and it could be you know, fatal, costly. Um, we just saw the first NFL player last night, you know, Jake Glazer, that we know of, test positive. And you know, the MLB is now enrolled in this testing program. They're going to be part of a 10,000 people are going to be tested and Major League Baseball's 
athletes and I think some of their staff are going to be involved. There's a chance, there's probably a pretty good chance that somebody out of that group is going to test positive. What happens when that, ha- you know, when that goes on? So many questions, but the patience is the big thing for me. I just, I want to stress patience. I'm not sure how you, f- I mean, I'm feeling impatient, yes, but we have mm-hmm. to stress patience. Well, coming from uh, the Detroit area, I'll just, I'm going to speak of, you know, speak what I know. Um, Detroit last week had over 20,000 infections and close to 1,000 deaths, and those numbers have only gone up. Personally, someone who, you know, lives close to a city that's been completely decimated by, you know, a, a virus like this, obviously we heard the horror stories of New York. I don't think that this is the right decision to even be talking about this in the current context. I get the closed doors things. I get all of that. But there's just too many, there's too many white lines that you try not to cross, whether it's separating players from families. Where are you going to play? Are fans allowed? What if a player gets infected and affects other players? In terms of the sports world, shouldn't even be thinking about open up if the country is still trying to rebound from... I mean, obviously, a wide sleeping, sweeping pandemic. I think that's my most the most important thing to me is safety, obviously. And I know that businessmen maybe not may not think the same way, but for them to even be talking about opening everything up, they need to make sure that it is with the utmost, you know, caution to make sure that no one because you could make a fatal mistake. And if one person loses their life, I don't think any number of baseball games that I can watch is worth that. I think that's the most important thing is caution and making sure that we do this the most safe way possible. And I'll give Major League Baseball some credit. You know, they've been proactive in trying to get things going and enrolling in this testing program is a big one. I mean, it, you know, this is this is not them taking tests away from healthy people. This is a study being done by Stanford University, their sports medicine research team and testing laboratory that will use test kits that will draw blood via, via uh, prick and offer results within 10 minutes. And the test will, will detect the, prevent, the prevalence uh, of an antibody. And so it's not like you know, they're out there taking tests away from people who need them because obviously we know, we know the shortage of tests has been a major point of contention. Um, they're, going about, they're going about this the right way in terms of the testing part. This is step one. The problem is after this is how are you going to test them where are they going to be tested? Because if they're tested and they're not altogether quarantined, well, it doesn't really matter because they might go elsewhere and could contract the virus before coming together as a group. So I'm going to give high marks for the effort and for Rob Manfred getting creative and, and being a part of the study. But also, too, we need to make sure we raise the right questions and make sure these leaders don't kind of just run, run roughshod over, you know, those questions to kind of just get things going out of, out of the blue. Mm-hmm. That's the most important thing to me is make sure everyone's safe whether it's now or a month from now that we actually start playing baseball or have any other sports the most important thing to me and i think to a lot of people is safety yeah yeah i mean it's it is it is the uh, the utmost importance um uh, you know just some some general baseball stuff you know as as i guess tigers fan you know what a unique position to be in um i'm not because i'm not even sure if you wanted to watch your team play this season um how are you feeling about the detroit tigers heading into the uh heading into this season you know i i split my allegiance between the tigers and the cardinals uh i kind of have to to keep myself sane uh my dad's also from st louis so i have backgrounds in both cities that's besides the point in terms of the tigers you know it's gonna be a rough season i would assume uh, i think their best player on their 
roster right now is probably shortstop Nico Goodrum, who is probably not in their long-term plans as a 28-year-old uh, shortstop. I just I I've never seen a roster so devoid of talent in my life and giving such huge contracts to such underperforming players. Uh, you could tell that this team, obviously, in the mid-2010s was gearing up trying to get themselves a World Series and fell short a couple times. Uh, and now you have the remnants of it with, obviously, Miguel Cabrera, um, one of the best hitters of all t- of all time in his prime, but is obviously declining rapidly right now, uh, a la Albert Pujols, and still clings to a huge contract. They're giving him, I think, over $25 million a year. Uh, so while there are some solid players on that roster, like uh, Christian Stewart, um, I I really don't think I really don't see much talent on that team to be excited about this year. I would say that I'm more a Cardinals fan than a Tigers fan, but I for sure follow the Tigers. Uh, but yeah, the Cardinals. <laughs> um, you coming off that? I mean, and I said this going into the series, uh, so I'll take another victory lap for it. I said the Cardinals were going to get smacked by the Nationals. You know, it was it was pretty academic. I mean, there was cl- times where it was close, but the Nationals were just the better team. Um, and now the Cardinals are in a division where I mean. You know, it's the, I, I'd say the the NL East is the most competitive division, right? I, I think I think you'd argue that you know it's it's pretty easy to argue that the, between the Phillies, Braves, Nationals, and Mets, those are four teams in the division that there's really not you know there's really nothing that compares in terms of how um, competitive a division is going to be. You know, the the NL Central is going to be very competitive. I mean, people believe the Reds could win. Um, the you know Cardinals obviously coming back, the Brewers and the Cubs. Uh, where do you think the Cardinals go from here and, and how are you feeling about their chances in the division this coming season? To me, the Cardinals are, are sitting at a very interesting position uh, because they they still have some of the tenants from their you know World Series 2011 years and obviously contending until about 2015, obviously their three-year playoff drought. Uh, Yadier Molina is still there. He's still going to do what Yadier Molina does. The back end of his career, I still think he's a brilliant catcher. Um they're in an interesting position because they have a lot of youth coming up, but they also have some older players that they were hoping could contribute and are maybe on the back end of their career. A perfect example is Tommy Edmond, who came up last year, middle of the season, ended up with 11 home runs, batted over 300. People think he could be the next great third baseman. He's contending for a third base spot with Matt Carpenter, who they're paying $20 million a year, but whose production didn't match Edmonds. And that's an interesting dynamic. Same thing with a Dexter Fowler in the outfield. Uh, decent player has really not been you know the, at the precipice of his of his career with the Cardinals kind of been a disappointing signing but they also have Dylan Carlson who they're bringing up to try to replace Marcelo Zuna and Jose Martinez leaving in the offseason um, but it's it's interesting to see what Mike Schilt does with this team in terms of am I going to start the payroll or am I going to start these younger players who I think might be better uh, obviously their pitching staff led by Jack Flaherty and Carlos Martinez is going to be very good. Uh, Miles Michaelis, Martinez, and Jack Flaherty give you three very good pitchers. Uh, Jordan Hicks, the flame, the flamethrower out of the bullpen, is going to be a good closer. Giovanni Gallegos, John Brebbia, Andrew Miller is a solid bullpen trio. Uh, they have, I mean, Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung are two of the best up the middle. Uh, Goldschmidt's a really good first baseman. I think this team, if this team produces the way that they should, Goldschmidt had a down year last year. A lot of their bats had a down year last year. Uh, and DeYoung was really the only plus bat from where you thought he would hit. Uh, if they can figure things out at the plate, I think that this pitching staff is strong enough to where they could be the, another first-place team. Obviously, the Reds got a lot better with adding Bauer, uh, Castellanos, a lot of talent on that team. Obviously, Eugenio Suarez, can't forget about Joey Votto. 
Uh, and I think the Cubs are good, but stayed a little bit stagnant this offseason. I really think the Cardinals, if they can figure things out in their youth and say a Jack Flirty, Dakota Hudson and Tommy Edmond can shine. I think that they could be really good this year and be another have another 90 plus win season to make the playoffs. Your, who is your who would be your prediction for who is going to win the division? If I was a betting man, I would say the Cardinals right now, just because I think the Cardinals are the most stable of those big four teams. Uh, I think the Cubs, like I said, have been a little bit stagnant. Uh, I think that the Reds, while they're good, I think that they're still kind of gelling together. If the Reds can play to what their what their roster uh, provides for them, they could win 100 games. They're that good. And I think the Brewers still have a huge question mark on the pitching staff, sans Josh Hader. So I think that if I had to make a guess right now, it would be the Cardinals, although the Reds are a really good pick too. And really any of those four teams, depending on who gets hot during the year, uh, could win that division. All right, Matt. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. You stay strong there, brother. (laughs) I'll try to, man. Thank you.